episode you've wanted to do for a while today cool because you've wanted to corner a buyer's agent and ask them a whole lot of questions so i've gone out and and found a genuine australian unicorn in a buyer's agent who happens to be someone that that i've actually traveled various parts of the world with he's one of the best people to be on tour with so we'll introduce him in a little bit but we are going to put a genuine Aussie buyer's agent on the spot and ask some some cool questions to see exactly how they do Let's what do they it. do and what they do in the Australian market. But first, how about we uh, have a word from our sponsors? Sure. Ready to sell your home? <laughs> Don't make the rookie mistake of jumping in blind. The first step on your journey is critical. Research. You need to know what your house is really worth to get the best deal. And that's where checkmyhouseprice.com.au comes in. With a free house price report, you'll get all the juicy market intel, recent sales data, and other must-have info to help you win big when selling your home. Don't gamble on your home's worth. Make checkmyhouseprice.com.au the first step in your successful selling journey. Visit us today and get your free house price report. All right, let's do this. Let's do this. Introducing our third guest ever on the podcast, Mr. Luke Maroney (laughs) from Search Party Property. Hey, Luke, how you doing? Yeah, great, guys. How are you? Yeah, good. 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 Now, just a little bit about Luke. Luke is far and away, I've, I've... Traveled the states with Luke, and mm-hmm. we've we've been to various real estate conferences and that sort of thing. He is one of the best people to be on the road with, right? You you are going to get up to shenanigans if Luke's around. It's a it's lot of fun. fun. Yeah, are it's you a, are you blaming him for the shenanigans oh, you've gotten no. up to? Or? No, 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 no. no. <laughs> or are you quite willing to take the crown for that and just be like, oh, no, look, you just got to have some fun. Like it's yeah. work hard, play harder, right? <laughs> Absolutely, I like that thinking. Yeah, no, he's he's he gets you out of your shell. Good, and and he leads the way with. That, I which like is, it. You know, there's there's stories that we can't talk about on the podcast, but you know, Luke's a bit of a legend. He's awesome, and there's a reason we call him the the Aussie unicorn. But I can't even explain. Yeah, that no, one don't on the explain podcast. that. <laughs> but he is a legend, and he is he is a real life, genuine buyers agent in Australia. Now, in the states where we spend a lot of time, you know, buyers agents are a, a dime a dozen. In fact, they make up fifty percent of the two point three million agents that they have over there. Uh, in Australia. There's, there's far less, isn't there, Luke? Like, I mean, yeah, absolutely. Work. The numbers are growing in Australia, definitely, on the back of what's happening in the US. TV shows that, yeah. um, you know, advocate for buyers agents, buyers advocates. Um, so people are understanding, you know, the greater value on having someone on your side as a buyer rather than going to do it all on your own. Yes. I think that's that's a huge point there, actually, because we've talked in the past about. The, the agent typically works for the seller. They've got a legal responsibility and a fiduciary responsibility to work in the best interest of the seller. The buyer's agent is the buyer's best friend. You're working for the buyer, aren't you, Luke? Yeah, absolutely. Um, and, you know, for us, we want to be going out there and 
maybe we're even working with some of those agents who don't tend to try and work too much for the sellers at times and just want to get a deal done. And that, you know, that for our, our responsibility is, you know, to get out there for the buyer, get the best deal possible. So not only they can buy one, but they're looking to buy multiple properties uh, and build a property portfolio, which I've been able to do myself. Yeah. Fantastic. So cool. I, I think we've kind of touched on it here, but the, the real question I want to, want to ask you straight off the top Luke and the reason I want to ask this is I think that there's a lot of people out in the marketplace who don't really understand what the buyer's agent's role is how a buyer's agent gets paid or what value the buyer's agent brings to the table so could you sort of give us a little bit of insight into what value it is a buyer's agent does actually bring to the table yeah look I think the big one is around um you know, looking at the property, the property market itself, like a lack of research for people. Um, they're not knowing the data, the areas, the property and the deals um, that we're privy to each and every day. Uh, so, you know, there's a combination of on market and off market deals that we work on. We're getting that inside word on deals where we're just finding out, OK, what's the seller's motivation on certain situations or they need to sell really quickly. You need to, you know, get um, put in an offer in now or we might be a sense sometimes of actually knowing what the another offer is because we've worked with the agent a number of times. So. Being first to the punch on a lot of these things is, is the big value add for a lot of people. Um, I guess the areas that people don't know and see the true value is the time and efficiency that we put in um, because we're not only doing this um, for that one deal, but we're doing this every day. We're working on deals on a constant basis and we've done it for multiple uh, years as well. So, you know, you build up those relationships with agents over time and you can get better deals done. Um, you know, and I, I guess people also forget about the time that we spend on the strategy aspect of it as well for people and just thinking about, well, you know, if you go that way and try and find a, a, a property that's got development potential, it's going to cause you a lot of repairs and maintenance because there's an older house on a bigger block and the cash flow is lower. So it's really going to harm you in the in the short term and it's those people that it harms in the short term they end up selling in a year or two time and they make a loss on that property instead of buying something nice simple and easy let the market grow get the tenants in place make it simple and easy for yourself especially on property number one or two and then you know start to develop your skills over time so there are a number of different value add components that we provide as a buyer's agent um, and there are a few to, to name yeah well I suppose it's also you're the mouthpiece because it like of the representing the real estate industry to be able to decipher some of the jargon as well that, you know, real estate agents come out with and the person sitting there going, I have no idea what you're actually <laughs> talking about, but sounds like a good plan. Um, whereas with a, with a buyer, if it's the first time that they've bought, like talking to a real estate agent, having, you know, mum and dad or someone else in the background going, oh, you're getting ripped off, but yeah. aren't actually going to say, okay, so what are the things that I'm being ripped off with? What should I be looking at? All of those types of things. I suppose you can step in and go, let me take you under my wing and let me <laughs> let me show you what your parents may be saying is actually happening. But, you know, when they sold their house 40 years ago, kind of sort of a bit different than what it is now. So 
I well, suppose there's a number that's... of different aspects around that. Like there, there might be, you know, let's get a discount on the property from listing price. And you know that um, a lot of the listing prices out there are actually less than what what they're looking to gain from the property. Yeah. So yeah. sometimes in a, you know, strong market, paying listing price when they've actually, um, you know, put that at a low figure actually makes a lot of sense. So, and it might mean that you miss out on the deal because you are trying to get that, you know, $20,000, $50,000 discount because you want a discount. But it's a discount to what the agent's valuing it at, yeah. um, or the seller potentially is valuing at as well to bring bring uh, around those hordes of people into the open inspection. So you've got to see through, you know, some of those um, ideas and thoughts that the agents might have, and bring it towards where you know a buyer can make a really good deal on. So you know there are examples where agents, some agents are really difficult to deal with. So if we can, you know, no, get really through that. Yeah, we can get through that, that aspect of them being difficult. We can get a deal done, whereas most buyers will go, well, it's all a bit too hard. I'm not going to deal with that agent. Yeah. Um, I'll go and find another property. But there could be so much that you can achieve through it by just pushing through. And that's where we do the work on it. We're like the arm's length, you know, in between, you know, what our buyer is and what the seller and the agent are looking to achieve out of the property. So that does help with the negotiations as well, because, People are often so emotional, even with investments, when it comes to property. Yeah, yeah well, I mean, absolutely. it's the biggest purchase, really. Yeah. Out, apart from children. <laughs> yeah. oh, I don't know. I think I think with our housing market, the the houses are getting more expensive than children these days. Uh, yeah, uh, probably. Uh, but I mean, you touched on something too earlier, Luke. Like it was one of my favorite pieces of advice that I would hear from. Uh, you know, older parents talking to kids who are buying or, or talking to even, you know, our age group and, and slightly older than us, if we had boomer parents, they'd be saying never pay list price, never uh, pay list price. Say that so that quickly 10 times. Yeah, right. <laughs> um, and I haven't had anything to drink in weeks. Um, but, you know, they're going and put an offer in that's 10 or 5% beneath list price and then wonder why they missed out on the property. And the property sold for 10% above list price. Especially when you have an agent that turns around and says, put in your best offer. And, yeah. Yeah. and we had one agent tell us that he had been frustrated by getting that. He works in the industry and he found out that he missed out on the property by $500. He had an extra 10, 20 grand to spend. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. yeah. And oh, that's yeah. That goes into negotiation tactics as well. Like you don't go and, you know, offer $500,000 on the mark. You go at 500000 and $500. Yeah. Um, you know, those simple little tactics just to make sure, you know, if you're in that situation to be on a multiple offer situation then you've just put that little bit extra on there um and if you miss out you miss out like obviously that person had the budget but then didn't go ahead and, and put their best and final offer on it so it's how much it means to you on that property like for investors with that we tend to work with then it's about the numbers game so if we go too high on a property doesn't make any sense let's let that go let's go for another yeah. deal um, and that's, you know, just keeps the emotion uh, as much out of it. And that's what we do as well. Like, I guess in terms of buying, um, I'm in there looking to get the deal. It's about those numbers and that's it. There's no emotion attached to it. Um, but well, like there isn't. You're, spend, some of, you're spending ahead, someone sorry. else's money. <laughs> no, <I'm> joking. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but then, you know, we're in an aspect of getting multiple deals on like, yeah. you know, that's that's the thing that people might say. I was like, well, you know, it's not it's not about you, um, but it is about us as well. Yeah. Like we're in a teamwork together. We're looking to not only buy one for a client, but build up the portfolio. And we've got multiple buyers that have done multiple properties in their portfolio already in the last two or three years. So mm. um, that's been uh, astounding. 
Yeah. yeah, right. So do you work primarily with investors? Do you also work with owner-occupiers as well? Like, What would be the makeup of your client base? Yeah, it's look, it's 95% investors. And then there's a couple of um, owner-occupier properties that we do do, but they're far and few between. It's just time that goes involved in an owner-occupier. There are specific buyers agents that, you know, do target the owner-occupier market. Um, and, you know, you, you, again, a, a little bit slightly different skill set, obviously also a slightly different personality as well. Yeah, I think of yeah. myself as never being able to be a real estate agent because I don't have that same personality as, um, you know, as, as a, a lot of real estate agents or selling agents out there. Um, I, I like to work on the buying side. Yeah. Yeah, no, fair enough. And I imagine too, like working predominantly with investors, that's, as you mentioned before, it's it's really numbers driven, isn't it? Like it's it's your there's no emotion. It is does this work in terms of the spreadsheet and what we're trying to achieve? And if the numbers are wrong, you walk away because the numbers are wrong. Yeah, yeah. that's all right. And 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 we're we're just looking at deals on a constant basis. You know, we're probably going through a few hundred deals a week just to come up with three or four or five yeah. that are going to be making a lot of sense for clients. And then, and then from there, once we have an idea on 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 price, then we'll go and negotiate and see if we, how low we can get the deal done. So, you know, that's a big advantage for us to be uh, doing deals on a constant basis as well. So, do you? So, does an investor come to you and be like, "Look, this is the area that I'm looking in," because insiders have told me that whatever that should be somewhere that I should buy because whatever is happening, there's huge construction, whatever. And you then go, all right, what, like how many bedrooms, what sort of like, and then build from there as to what price they would be looking at? Or do they come to you and go, look, I need a house that I'm going to be there in five years time. It needs to house four of us. Um, what can you find me that will be bringing me income until I can actually move there? Do you have those? Is it that type of conversation or what sort of? Yeah, the conversations pretty much go, you know, looking to buy an investment property. My accountants told me to buy something um, and or, you know, I've got a bit of equity now in my own home. Um, I want to be in a position to build my portfolio. I'm 40. I've got 10 years before, you know, I want to retire. I want to start building on it. So that's the initial conversations. Um, they do need to get in touch with a mortgage broker to find out about what their, you know, budget yep. restraints are. So it gives us a bit of an idea once we go into the strategy piece to say, okay, what is your budget? And what are the potential investments that you could make? So, yeah. you know, a lot of people do come in and, you know, been to a barbecue or got an uncle or something that tells them you got to buy in Sydney. It's the best place, capital growth, da, da, da. Yeah. But then we look into deep diving into their situation. They go, well, they want a little bit of cash flow coming through. And Sydney market's predominantly um, more of a capital growth play than a, 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 a cash flow play. Um, and it doesn't suit a lot of people. Mm. Um, so you've got a thousand, thousand uh, just say a million dollar property purchase, and you're only getting rent of maybe six fifty, seven hundred a week, where the, it's quite negative on the property. But if you go to some of the other areas of, of the country where you can, you know, buy something for five hundred fifty thousand dollars and get five hundred fifty to six hundred a week rent, it makes a lot more sense in cash flow for mm. people, and they can hold it. And I think where the struggle is for a lot of people in investing is not about how well the deal goes. It's like, how long can you hold the property? Mm. Um, both in terms of mindset and it's like, you know, if there's any issues that come up with tenants, but then if it doesn't grow for a little bit, they just get all nervous and they go, well, it's, it's a terrible investment. I better sell. So they sell and a year or two later, 
then all this growth happens. Yeah. So we saw that through COVID, especially like buying in Queensland where, you know, 12 years before on a certain investment um, um, up in the Moreton Bay area was a three bedroom townhouse where they were buying off the plan 12 years earlier for $340,000. We bought that same townhouse 12 years later in, through COVID for $218,000. <sighs> And now the prices are back at 340, 360 now today, only, you know, only a couple of years later. So, you know, those people lost out $120,000 on the the purchase because they got nervous through COVID Mm. and our client made, you know, $120,000 in a short amount of time, um, you know, post that COVID period because they were going and buying when other people were fearful. Yeah. 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 And and that's always the case, isn't it? There's, there's always opportunity in a down market, whether we, whether we like it or not, there, there's always opportunity to down market. Yeah. Well, I yeah. suppose the other thing too, and, you know, it is a it is making sure that you've got the right team around you. Yeah, absolutely. Like absolutely. It, like, and, and I think this is probably one thing that a lot of people are starting to embrace is when you're going to go and do these things, it's not a rich man's thing to go and have a buyer's agent, a selling agent, a financial advisor, a financial yeah. planner, all of those types of things actually happening behind you while, you know, to yeah. ensure that your money is being used to its best advantage and working for you as opposed to you working for your money. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think too, you know, I've always been a jack of all trades, right? I've, I've always been spread across everything and and. And more a master and of none? No. Ma- no, 100% master <laughs> of none. Um, may- maybe Facebook marketing is, is about it. But the longer we go in this market with the, the way the world has gone and the rapid acceleration of, in particular, technology, but also business ideas and growth, the more important it is, I think, to be specialized and to have that specialized team mm. behind you. Uh, you know, I've been a real estate agent. I've been a selling agent. I couldn't go and do what Luke does. I'd, I'd rather go to Luke and go, hey, Luke, <laughs> you, you do this, right? Like you do I this don't part. Have time for I'll the handle BS. my part. Everyone it. else, <laughs> hand, you know. And But we're seeing this too. Like a lot of the most successful businesses or particularly in real estate and real estate agency teams, you know, you've got your head agent and then they've got a buyer manager and they've got an admin person. And they've got They've got a person in a role for every single task in that transaction. And that person just specializes in that. And they're able to operate far more efficiently and do far more and they'd be far more successful mm. and provide a greater level of customer service. And I think that as, as laymen, as, as buyers, sellers, as individuals in the public, I think we should be looking at what is happening in that business space and going, hey, we should have that too. Because, and, and I imagine the cost, and Luke, I'm going to put you on the spot in a second and ask about the cost, but mm. the cost of doing that is probably offset and end up being an investment with a return rather than doing it yourself because of everything else that you lose out on and then the things you miss because you're not an expert in that space. Yeah. So what what would it, like, how do you get paid, Luke? Is it, do you get paid a percentage of purchase price? Does somebody just pay you a set fee? And and what sort of dollars are we talking? Yeah, it is a set fee. Um, we kind of went on th- into that model because I think if you put a commission basis, people think, well, you're not going to discount that property to the lowest possible uh, number because it, you know, it just does affect that. We charge um, an initial engagement fee of 2,200. 
And then the balance is towards settlement. The total of those two fees is 14,000 plus GST. Um, So if I think about value, if we're getting a discount on a property at 20, 30, $40,000 below where other comparable sales are, then we've, you know, we've had a great um, success on that property for a client. And I think about, you know, not only that value at the front, but also the value once they're purchased. Mm -hmm. And I go back to that example in Morton Bay on that townhouse where clients made, well, they made it in the probably the first 18 months or so where it was $120,000 above where they paid for it. Um, you know, our, you know, $15,000 odd dollar fee for it is is little compared to what they made out of the yeah. property. And that's oh, yeah. one investment. Yeah, exactly. yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And, and look, that's why I wanted to ask the question too, because I, I know right. you will negotiate more effectively on behalf of the buyer than what most buyers will in any given market. You know, buyers might be able to compete with you in a, in a buyer's market purely because a selling agent's desperate to get a deal done. But yeah. in any other, and we haven't been in a buyer's market since 2010 in the GFC, and even that only lasted 18 months, two years, truly. So we, we haven't seen a true buyer's market getting close to 20 I know years, there's really. going to be a hell of a lot of people that comment on that just alone. Oh, there's, there's like, going to be a lot. Are you crazy? What was 2020? 2020 was not a buyer's market. I got the yeah, data 2021, 2021 was starting to see, you know, a lot more activity. So, and we saw prices jump by about 50 grand in about three months. Mm. So, yeah. you know, that was probably the closest part of a buyer's market, you know, in, in, in for, for what you guys were saying there. And like I'd say, but then as soon as those interest rates hit and increase in 2022, you could see that starting to, uh, you know, pull back a lot. So, um, but, you know, in saying that, we've still seen in some markets a heightened activity, um, even with interest rates rising. So we're seeing some crazy prices out there for some of the properties, especially I'd say in the home buying space in more affordable markets like Brisbane and Perth, where, where we've been buying a lot where they're, you know, really done up well, owner-occupier places where you've got places like Narangba um, and going out Moray Field um, in the northern parts of Brisbane where you've got like 900000 a million dollar properties that were once like under 500 yeah. or something similar. And, and, so, and under 500 four or five years ago. Yeah. Like not even, exactly. not even yeah. you know, pre-COVID. Oh, if you go back to 2020, no, no, we or sorry, 2010 kind of stuff. Um. So obviously, well, it's really pre-COVID is what I'm trying to say. But if you go back to the GFC, you go, oh, yeah, everything was under 500 grand. No, these properties were under 500 grand in 2019. Yeah. They were. You know. Four mm. bedroom been... houses were 360 um, back in 20 and 2019. Yeah. Mm. So, yeah. It's, it's um, mental. Yeah. And they're close to 600,000 now. So, you know, that's a, a good idea about where things, you know, have been. Mm. But also where, you know, we've got to have a look at where the market is going as well. Like as a buyer's agent, we don't want to just focus on what the past results are. And there's a big reason why a lot of people weren't buying in Brisbane going back, um, you know, 2018, 2019, even to 2020. It was like, we don't, we haven't seen any growth in Brisbane. Why would we buy there? It was like, Hey, look what happened now. So, you know, it's just the idea and the mindset of, you know, what are the results coming up? Yeah. that you can achieve. So that's yeah. a big one. And and what are you guys seeing? Like I've, I've obviously got my own theories. Of course, I'm on, on the other side and within market buy, we're seeing a whole lot of activity in the back end and, and seeing that. But, you know, from the buyer's side of, of the equation, what are you guys seeing is happening in the market and where do you think it's going to go? Low stock numbers, low buyer numbers out there, um, so probably around the country. Um, I, I think macro, you know, macro wise, uh, we're seeing that there's a lack of building, international immigration on the positive. 
Um, you know, there's a potential talks around recession, some fears in the market. But it's I been think, going on know, for at least two years now. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> and, and like they're always going to be around unless um, you know, something substantially happens in the marketplace where they just have interest rates stop. But I think, you know, once those interest rates stop, then we'll see a lot more buying activity yeah. happen. Mm. Um, and I, you know, there's, if the recession does come, we're probably going to have just a delay in that buying by about six months. Yep. So that's probably where I see things going. You know, we, we think about property as a long-term investment. So what are you going to, what the price is going to be in 10 or 15 or 20 years time if you're building your property portfolio today? And people forget, I like to say this a lot, it's a finance game rather than a property game. So if you can yeah. get the finance, go ahead and buy. Like these affordable properties that have got good cash yeah. flow mm. make real good sense. Yeah. Yeah, no, I like what you're saying. And, and I mean, essentially what, what you've talked about there without coming directly out and saying it in a, in a really sort of direct way is we still have a supply problem. At the end of the day, and I did notice that he touched on that. I was like, uh, I've had. This I'm like, hang on, let me get up before. on my soapbox, right? Like, but there, there was a stat that I came across uh, earlier this week that that blew my mind. And and you know, you and I have done a number of episodes on supply and demand, and that being the the issue driving the housing crisis. Our number of new builds in Australia is at the same level as what it was in nine in the 1970s. Yet our immigration has increased significantly and our population has increased significantly. So we haven't kept up with the building and therefore the demands and the increased pressure on supply as, as what we've and, needed to. And then I do just need to touch on, because I've only just done the, the episode for it um, on Facebook, then we can touch on the 26,000 ho- uh, homes that have just vanished yeah, according the, to the, the government yeah, budget. Yeah, We started <laughs> 26,000 homes, <laughs> um, but we never finished them and we don't know what happened to them. So that's, yeah. a, that's another one that's interesting. <laughs> so, but I mean, that supply and demand problem is, is really nice. underpinning everything, isn't it? It is. It's absolutely crazy out there at the moment. And like, you know, we've got a situation where the Greens are pulling back the government and in the current building, uh, you know, numbers, not to get political on anyone here, but it's it's feel free. They're not even even getting towards even what Labor want to do is not going to even be enough. Mm. That's doing the current status, the status, you know, yeah. the, the status quo is mm. that's not going over and above what, what is needed. Mm. And no. especially if you're bringing in 300,000, 400,000 people a year. The numbers I've heard are double that. They're, they're talking 650, yeah. 700,000 is what they want in terms of immigration. Cause we have a skills shortage as, as we've talked about in the past. So you've yeah. got 600, 700,000 people coming into the country that you're mm. going to have to house. And we're still building at the same the same number of houses each year as what we did in the 1970s. Yeah. Property and then, is and then, a no-brainer. And this yeah. is why I, I like to say bye, 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 everyone. Bye, bye, yeah. bye. Yeah. yeah. No, look, I, I'm inclined to agree. And I think that I think one of the biggest issues that we're going to face is there's a vicious cycle happening with the interest rate rises because um, shelter, effectively housing, makes up 25% of the CPI basket that they judge inflation on, right? But it's not actually a true rep. Uh, reflection of what's happening because you have this supply and demand problem mm. which means people will literally do whatever it takes to buy a property it's not luxury spend it's it's absolutely not luxury <laughs> and then the spend. banks turn around and do whatever they can to make sure that people can't actually purchase because they just well, don't have they, they they faced a royal commission in recent memory as well about that so we're, we're having a lot of fun yeah, yeah. absolutely <laughs> well you know if you had more people lending then you might be in a situation that the price is going to go up anyway. So there's well, more competition. So yeah. you know, well, that's probably what, a good thing. 
Do you remember how they brought out the first home buyers grant and everyone was like, "Oh, this is going to do, this is going to reduce the prices. It's going to reduce the prices." I don't know how so anyone ever everyone, said that. So everyone was going in and they're going, "Give me a house, give me a house." Yeah. To the point where people were putting it in their children's names. Do you remember that? They had to bring in a law to say that yeah, they needed yeah, to be yeah, over the age of 18 yeah, or yeah, something. Yeah. Um well, so now I forget where I was going with this thought. Um, you do actually have it drove up demand, essentially, is what you're trying yes, to say. But and now they're going to be bringing in all of that new home buyer stuff. So with I, the reconsider the reconsideration thing. Yes, it's going to open it up to I think a million more Australians on the first home buyers guarantee yes. or family guarantee. So it's not first home builders grant. No, no. no. But it's giving the opportunity of people who had yes. missed out. They haven't increased the places yet, though, have they, Luke? I know. Uh, I've, I've just I'm, not, I'm not totally across that. I, I, I just like, you know, anytime that they put stimulus in the economy, it's just going to help housing. Um, you know, yeah. just continue to push up prices. Like, I, I guess they're trying to help, you know, first home buyers get into the market or, you know, people be able to get into the market. But, it's just not allowing the market to play out. And they're just put, not putting, the simple is thing is they're not putting enough supply in the market yeah. to be able to do that. Well, so, I, that, that's that's my concern though, is you have more people who are able to be reconsidered to build a house. But if they're only, if we still got the supply and demand issue on the actual building yeah. <laughs> supplies, we're still back at square one. We still don't, like, also, like people can still purchase a property, but they mm. don't actually have a property because they don't have the construction pieces to put said building in place. So <laughs> it's like, great, you got a you got a block of land, but where's your house? Like, there's all of these people that are going to go into the market, but you still have the very basic, fundamental there's foundation. There is not a, well, there's not the resources that there's are actually not, yeah, starting to not come the resources in to build them either, or the people to build them. That's another. <laughs> that's another factor. I think a lot of people aren't buying brand new property on the on the back of you know increased build costs right now and um, potential builders going bust. Where mm. you know some people have lost deposits of thirty, fifty, a hundred, yeah. even more, that's scary. Like hundred thousand dollars. Um, so that's a scary thought for a lot of people. It was like, why would I, you know, I'm going to just buy established now, yeah. um, get something that's three, 10, five, 10 years old, um, rather than take the risk on buying something brand new. So, mm. um, you know, that's another factor that's, you know, really playing itself out. Are uh, you going to get the valuation once the property is built as well? So, um, yeah, look, that's what we're talking about with clients on an ongoing basis. Cause some yeah. people love the brand new, get the depreciation, um, and all that sort of thing in terms of nice, simple and easy. But is it nice, simple and easy if you're building brand new, you've got issues um, potentially with build cost and you've got issues with valuations, issues if it's going to be completed mm. as well. So we're going through those strategy talks with clients yeah. Yeah. Um, because they might come with us to with an idea and then we just like, you know, steer them on another direction or show them the pros and cons because that can be so risky for someone um, who doesn't have, you know, massive buffers in place mm, yeah, to withstand yeah. any pain. Yeah. I like that. I like that you've referenced buffers and, and that sort of thing. I think that's from, from a buyer perspective, that's a really responsible approach um, to ensure. And I know from, you know, discussions you and I've had in New York and things like that, it's you're, you're not looking at just getting, buying them one property, right? You're looking at buying them one, two, three, four and looking after them for life. And, and so that's why you're taking that approach. And I, and I applaud that. Um, it, but those buffers, like with a market that is uncertain 
as mm. what it is as the one we're facing in terms of money and, and property. I mean, property is always going to sort of come out on top, but it's it's hard to get money and all of our cost of living and everything like that are going up, and that affects everybody. It's not mm. just not just tenants and that investors are affected by cost of living increases, fuel increases, all that sort of stuff. I think that you know planning that buffer and and particularly strategizing, having that strategy meeting with someone who's looking to buy where you are in fact going, hey, you don't have a big enough buffer for this. So mm. let's let's shift this strategy. I think that's hugely important. Yeah, it definitely is. Yeah. Mm. Cool. Well, that's about our time. That's been awesome. Thanks, Luke, for jumping yeah. on and, and just, you know. So much more to talk about. Oh. oh, there is. I think we're going to have to have you on as well. And and the other one too, I think, I think we might get you and Tyron Manning on at some point as well because both of you are buyer's agents and we'll, we'll have a buyer's agent off or so. I think he looks after owner-occupiers more. I'm not sure on that, but I'll have a chat with him. I more. would be intrigued to see how that all unfolds. Yeah, I think it would be a bit of fun if you're up for that, Luke. I mean, we'll put you, yeah, we'll just, yeah. just drive the bus, put him on the spot. Yeah, um, I love but, it. Absolutely <laughs> love it. You know, we're just working – like I know um, prior to this video, you were talking about, you know, is is buyers agents or, you know, for the rich people. And we're actually got a, we're working with a client at the moment, wants a $160,000 property. So, yeah, right. you know, it's just, it's a, a service that's available for everyone. You should at least have a conversation with a buyers agent yeah. just to see what their thoughts are around it, what you should do. Talk to a few buyers agents um, and, and then put together a strategy and then, Go and, and and build the team around um, that particular buyer's agent, mortgage broker, mm. and others to help you along the path. Um, I've been able to grow a portfolio. Just want others to do the same. Yeah, yeah, I like yeah, it. And, nice. and look, I'm I'm a big fan of that. I've I've I was always very anti the way the US did things and made fun of you know putting extra people in the transaction until I got over there and actually started to see it in action and realized in Australia we've kind of got it wrong. I think you know having two professionals negotiate is is absolutely the way it should be when it comes to your biggest asset and your biggest investment mm. yeah i love absolutely. it appreciate thanks luke appreciate your time mate thanks for hanging out i reckon nice to uh, meet you <laughs> it's time for a jtm yep cool let's see which rabbit holes we're going down in this episode it's time for jtm it's jthought moment it might be drink a whiskey pot work smoking meat podcast the story writing treasure hunting you name it what's really great right All right. So this is going to be a fun one, apparently. It is. It is. It's actually, it's going to be a genuine JTM. I mean, we're actually on <laughs> Wait, camera. Wait, because all the other ones have been fake? No, it's not that they've been fake, but like I went down the rabbit hole on this one hard and fast and spent a lot of money <laughs> and actually got some really cool results from it. Okay. Yeah. Th this all stems from... So Wait, you spent money? Uh, yeah, sometimes I do that on a JTM. I must be confused by the one that we're going to be doing. I want to live forever. Oh, right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, it's on your run sheet. Have you got? Which I don't have. Excellent. No. Excellent. Right, that one's on me. I'll give you. I'll give you the run sheet because it's a JTM that I lived, so you can you can have that. We're really organised. <laughs> we're organised. We're we're all over. No, it. you're the one that's yeah. organised. Well, we had to we had to film this JTM segment uh, segment separate to the the real estate segment because obviously we had a guest on. We had we had the wonderful Luke Maroney on. Yes. Yeah. So um, we filming it and it's all disjointed and we're filming this one a little bit later than what we normally yeah would. usually we just 
roll with it and, and we, you know, go from one end to the other and it all nice and flows. Well, and this time it literally is because we did one in the daytime and now we're doing one at the night time. Well, that works. That works too. That works. <laughs> but this, this one we kind of went on a JTM and got some cameras for. Oh, so we're going to talk about that too. I th- is that how is that tied in with living it's forever? It's really not. This was a JTM. Oh, right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. All right, living forever. So, 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 so. This is one. Like, I, I don't want to die, right? Like, no one wants to die. But I kind of feel like I have it to a different level. It's not that I'm afraid of dying, but I really don't want to miss out on what happens after I die. And I also kind of have this chip on my shoulder because, you know, battling PTSD for 21 years as a result of things that were well beyond my control, nothing that I did to cause that, I feel like I was robbed of 20 years of my life. And so therefore, I'm like, I want to live forever. The irony of that is a lot of the coping mechanisms I use to survive PTSD. And that's a whole other episode we'll do, I think, you know, as we we gear up to um, Are You OK Day. But the coping mechanisms I use for that are definitely not going to help me live forever. But... I started to discover some of the things that people use, particularly as they're getting on in years, and I'm not to say we're getting on, but as we start to approach our 40s and, and 50s and You're so forth. You're already in your 40s. I'm already in my 40s. <laughs> but, you know, the, the body starts to decline a bit, just even naturally, no matter how strong you are, no matter how many times a week you're in it's the gym. It's not even 40s. As soon as yeah. you get to 30, it's all over. Well, that's that's what we told all our friends who were like 29, 30, 30. We're like, you're going to wake up the day after your birthday, hug over for the first time and of your how life. how many times have we been wrong? Oh, even for the most fittest of hilarious. people. hilarious. Like, well, Dave, Dave Stanton, my strongman coach. Yep, he, he didn't was, believe like, us. you were going to hurt. He's like, nah, I'm good. And this is with the fittest human on the planet. Literally a day after his 30th birthday, he's like, I've got aches and pains that I've never had before. And I went, yeah, you're 30 now, mate. Welcome, yep, welcome exactly. to the club. <laughs> and the other thing with me, though, is that whenever anyone goes, oh, I'm turning 40 like this year, it's like, no, you're 30 plus 10. Yeah. yeah. Or I, another I, way of looking at it is you're 20 again. See, I, I love the one, uh, being, being an old school gamer, like the OG gamer reviewing video games back in the, the early 90s and stuff. I'm I'm the f- a fan of the uh, you didn't you didn't get get older you just leveled up yeah you're leveling up uh, I like that one yeah but we're rabbit holing and tangenting here but I so <laughs> it's late <laughs> it's late I've got a dream things could go wild I went down the rabbit hole of how do I gain back the years that I lost effectively um, and I know like you can't turn back the clock as far as we know there's no such thing as time machines if there is a time machine and I discover it in the future. We'll come back to this night and wave at us from across the... Yeah, no, no one's there waving. So, no, there's no such thing as time machines. So, all we can really do is kind of reduce our biological age, the, the wear and tear on our body. Because our body does do a lot of amazing healing and, and things like that if we give it the things it needs to yes. do that. Right? And so, I stumbled across peptides. Mm-hmm. Now, at the time I stumbled across these... I knew peptides to be illegal in most sports. Yes, right? but there's different so types. The, well, I didn't know this at the time. I was <laughs> of the opinion that these were akin to steroids. Yep. Right? Um, and, of course, there's, there's not. Your body actually makes its own peptides 24-7, mm-hmm. right? And they're, they're effectively just strings of amino acids uh, and, and the building blocks of, of proteins. Yes. Right? So your body's constantly producing them. But certain ones get produced for certain purposes, mm-hmm. 
and can do certain things. And if you give your body the help, the theory is that it will kind of in- help yeah. your body do that better. Which, if it you doesn't were, as Benjamin you get older, the, button you. No, no, it doesn't. Like it, you it, still no, get no old, wrinkles have disappeared. You still get older, but the body's able to operate effectively and efficiently for yeah. longer. Yes, and and that was what really appealed to me. Yes, because. I genuinely believe that eventually we're going to have the opportunity to become a digital consciousness. Have you ever seen the show Altered Carbon? I kind of feel that that's probably the best representation of what our future is eventually going to look like and what immortality is eventually going to look like. There was that one thing that had Jude Law in it. I feel that that was sort of along those lines. I don't think I ever saw that one. I don't know. You'll you'll have to remember what movie that was because I I don't remember it, but you've got a laptop. You'll Google it. So... I was at the same time, at the same time I sort of discovered what these peptides were and, and that these are naturally occurring, occurring hormones and amino acids and proteins and all this sort of stuff, I was also struggling to lose weight. And we found that my metabolism was shot to hell. And my metabolism had been shot to hell due to uh, four years on a specific antidepressant um, during my, my battle with PTSD. And one of the side effects of this antidepressant was um, that, like, and it was the 1% of the 1%, could have their metabolism reduced significantly as a result. And guess who got to be the 1% of the 1%? So my metabolism got absolutely shot. I could train. I could literally burn the equivalent of, of 4,000, 5,000 calories in a day, eat two and a half thousand calories in a day, and I'd gain weight. Or like my body wouldn't burn the fat. And I could do all of the things that all the nutritionists and the dietitians and everything suggested, and I didn't lose any weight. So my coach then said, hey, have you tried a HCG course? It's a, a peptide course and gave me a little bit of info and then recommended this Australian side because I was like, at that time, I was like, this seems like steroids, this seems like cheating, like what's the go? And um, so what it was, and this this was kind of my intro to it, and, and you wrote it with me, like it got rough at times, but... It was a course of HCG, which I can't pronounce the full name of, but effectively HCG is a hormone that is produced in the human body. The most commonly or common time it's produced is in the first trimester of pregnancy. And what it does is it helps the body metabolize fat for use primarily to support the growing fetus in that first trimester. I still reckon we should have got you to see if you were pregnant. <laughs> Don't worry, I'm going to do another course because we'll get to that in a second. Um, and side note, so um, do you want to know the name of the movie that I was thinking of? Oh no, what is it? AI. <laughs> That's an episode coming up. Literally. That's an episode coming up. Artificial later. intelligence. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. With Haley Joel Osmond. Yeah, that means nothing to me. Look, you'll show me a picture and I'll go, oh, her, but, you know, I'm terrible with names and faces. I see dead people. The little boy? Yeah. I see, that's what threw me. His name, the he, Haley. his name is Haley Joel yeah. Osman. Well, hey, Joel Osman. That's a JTM I want to do is naming your kid. Yeah, okay, well, anyway, focus. <laughs> maybe. So I did this HCG course, right? And, and HCG has a number of benefits that, that I've become aware of. Um, and very limited to little side effects. That said, always go and check it out yourself. But my my understanding as I did my research was it can help increase natural testosterone production. So it encourages your body to produce its own testosterone, number one. Mm-hmm. Um, number two, it helps your body metabolize fat. 
Now, the jury's out. A lot of the stuff I read, like it hasn't been um, FDA approved in the States and, and TGA approved here for its treatment of for weight loss because they're like, you typically you'll pair it with an ultra-low calorie diet. So like, we're not convinced that the HCG is doing anything because you're yeah, eating nothing. Uh, yeah. Well, not nothing. Like you're eating 800 calories a day, which I went from eating 3,200 calories a day to 800. But is that stock standard across all weight or does it... Actually, factor in as to how much you are starting it, at. It's, I believe it's, it's pretty stock standard. Women, women are about five hundred a day. Men are eight hundred a day. Yeah, see, five hundred. Yeah. It's essentially so the diet itself. And look, it's not because at first I had this discussion with Dave, and I'm like, isn't this cheating and all this? And then I kind of got in my own head, and I went, you know what? Whatever I've got to do to get the weight off so I can live longer, then that's the smart play, right? It doesn't matter. Like, there's no such thing as cheating in real che- life. Cheating, well, there is. It's called steroids. That's cheating. Yeah, yeah. To, uh, to a certain point. I know that some people are what do you mean? But I'm not, I'm not competing. Certain, no, but that's the See, thing. See, I'm not is competing. That, this, is, this is purely a weight loss thing look, for me. Look, there's so many different types of steroids out there from oh, b- people being able to breathe right through to boli- bodybuilding. Yeah. Lo- yep. Lolly building. <laughs> I'm the one that's drinking and you're the one that's lolly building. <laughs> so when I talk about that there is cheating, yep. if you don't do it where it's the typical exercise and good, healthy diet mm, mm. where you're not cutting things out. The amount of times that people are like, oh, you need to cut out carbohydrates oh, or mental. cut out dairy. Yeah. You don't cut stuff out unless, for example, you're lactose intolerant, then cutting out dairy yeah. would be a smart thing. See, and, and what we learned during this process too, and this is one of the ways we kind of discovered that my metabolism was shot. like the, Because I actually went and did a whole heap of DNA testing. I went and had hair follicle testing, as you remember. Like, we spent a fortune on really trying to figure out what my ideal body composition was, uh, what my ideal meal plans were, my macros were. Um, we, we looked at, you know, what my diet should be. And we found at a DNA level, I'm actually less likely than the average person to lose weight through exercise. But I'm significantly more likely to lose weight on a high protein, low carb diet than the average person, mm. because my DNA makeup, my my you know, obviously my ancestors were very much meat eaters, and and there wasn't a lot of, of well, grains it, and carbs. That type of thing does flow into that whole eat right for your blood type. Mm. Mm. But again, there is a side note of that of making sure that it you double check as to what your yeah. gut health is doing as opposed to it. just what your blood type and is saying. And that's that's where do. the hair follicle DNA testing and that and the, the chemical testing that I did came in, right? So we we did all this testing to really figure out the baseline and we did it with professionals as well. Mm. Right. So the hair follicle test, just so those at home are going, well Christ, how much did this cost? This sounds like, you know, you spent tens of thousands of dollars. Thankfully, we're not in the US. <laughs> we're in Australia where things are reasonably priced in terms of, of your, your health. Um, I think it was it was three hundred dollars, including the consult to get the hair follicle test and also get the report back. Yeah. The DNA testing I did through Ancestry, so you can go ancestry.com, got that on special, and they will give you a downloadable text document mm. that is your DNA decoded, and then you can upload that into another site. There's there's a number of them. The one I used was Xcode.life, um, and I think it cost me about one hundred and thirty US. So call it another couple of hundred there for a full. DNA, health report, makeup, all that kind of base mm. stuff. From there, we realized that, okay, we're now testing and seeing exactly what my makeup is, and I'm still not losing weight. We're analyzing, going, metabolism shot, mm. right? GP's coming, going, metabolism shot. So 
we've gone, all right, we've got to do something. And that's where the, the peptides came in. And, and I went to, um, there's a company in Australia that is run by doctors and they actually do a, a check on you first. Like you've got to go through a questionnaire to make sure that you don't have any pre-existing conditions that could conflict or cause issues or anything like that. It's called Regen Med Direct, I believe it is. I'll double check that to make sure I'm given the right one. Um, so I went through that and they approved me for this HCG course. Now, I lost 16 kilos in six weeks. Yes, I'm aware. And that was awesome. And holy hell did it do wonders for my headspace and my confidence. Now, I have put back half of that weight, but I haven't put back half of that weight. Like it's now 10 months since I did it, I think. It would be Nine months. That, yeah. I've put half of it back on in that time, but it is 100% because my alcohol intake after, so after I finished and I, I was great, I stayed stable, even lost a little bit more weight after that six weeks. And I was great for about three, four months. Then suddenly our life got stressful and I went back to my old habits. So the weight that I've put back on is not rebound because my body's going from starvation to, oh, we can eat again and, and that. It's 100% I went back to bad habits. Yeah. And it's one of the reasons I'm like, I'm going to go back through a HCG course again because it's... I want to give it a go just to see. Yeah. Like, yeah. I mean, we can do it. It's. It, I think the course cost me about 500 um, for the whole thing. And it was... I use the injectables because this is this is often you can do via the tablets, um, but I went injectable, and I, the reason I went injectable is because I hate needles and I in my yeah bear with me no 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 it's if I'm going to inject myself twice every morning for the next three weeks then I'm going to stick to it because you've got to stick to you've got to drink um, four to five liters of water a day which is no easy feat you've got to drink. Uh, two to four cups of green tea a day. Again, no easy feat. You're allowed, uh, at, as a male, I was allowed 250 grams of protein off a set list. So it was beef, fish, etc., And a handful of one vegetable that came off a list. And there were no carbs in there whatsoever. Yeah. And I was allowed two of those meals a day. I was allowed two green apples a day. And that was literally it. So, and food has always been my weakness. So in order to make sure that I stuck to the diet and made this work, I chose the most painful option because my mindset then became, if I've got to jab myself twice every morning... Yeah, I don't want to be back here again. I don't want to be back here again. I'm not I'm not going to cheat on this diet. So it was positive, negative, rein- positive or negative reinforcement? It's a weird... Those... Yeah, one of those. One of those. I don't know. It was... Basically, it was manipulating myself to make sure that I stayed true. Yeah. And... and like there's a prep, there's a prep week leading up to it and all that sort of stuff. What I found, and I think this is the big thing that, because I've known others who have gone through it, mm. and the point that they have crashed at and and sort of fallen off the wagon is day eight, nine, and ten, mm. right? And and it was it was scary for you with me going through day eight, nine, and ten because it's at day eight that all of the withdrawals kicked in for me. So carbohydrate withdrawal, alcohol withdrawal, because this, we did this at the end of that, that COVID period, right? Just as the world was starting to open back up again. So I'd been drinking heavily for two years throughout COVID. Um, sugar You realise that if you did it only nine months ago, that's 2022. Yeah. So the world started opening because it was just after my first trip, which was the June. I went back to the States in the June, I think it was, or the June, July. That was my first trip back to the States since covid so and right. i did it i, I did thought it you meant that. like you know 
Right, so you're meaning international borders. Yes, 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 yes. Right, right, right. So, yeah, going through sugar, carb, alcohol withdrawal Mm -hmm. simultaneously was murder. And, and, you know, I've I've mentioned about 21 years of PTSD for everyone at home and, and listening in. During that 21 years, I had three suicidal events, shall we say. Not necessarily attempts, but days where I went, today's the day. And I'm done. I'm out. Yep. I'm, you know, the three days, day eight, nine, and 10, was worse than anything that I'd experienced in 21 years of PTSD. And I think the only reason I got through it the way that I did was because I knew 100% that it was, was withdrawals and that yep. I just had to grip my teeth and get through it. And I said to you at one point, I said, I think I came to you and I said, I've had six suicidal ideations today. I don't want you to worry. I'm not at risk, but this is how bad it is Mm. going through these withdrawals, and I'm going to put myself into bed until these pass because it's just I I can't cope. Yeah, you know, Um, and so that's what I did. I put myself in bed for three days. So that's that's the you know the caveat, I guess. Yeah, the the big red flag that I would. Yeah, yeah, and honestly, when you if you are thinking about doing it and you are inclined, like, do have. I don't want to say inclined because it's like as though you have an option not to be where, you know, you have previously been diagnosed with depression and stuff. Make sure that you definitely... Put your support networks in place. Yeah. Be mentally prepared for it. Like the And the th- also if you, if you are starting to do the whole, you know, I'm not feeling good, I know that this is just like I'm physically I'm feeling fine. Well, that's... But mentally... I'm I, I'm not good. Yeah. Let someone know. Just and you know, it like you had that realization. Hold on, I this is detox. This is yeah, just yeah. my it, body it just going, hold on, you're flicking yeah. a switch and I'm don't feel like I'm in and control. Something too, like I I mean we've we've tried to record in advance the, the Are You OK Day stuff and talk about my story in the past and, and we haven't got an episode we're happy with yet and we'll re record. But I remember on one of the recordings that never made it to see the light of day, we talked about how, for me, the feeling of depression is something I feel in my stomach. And, it, and it's almost identical, like, like identical twin, where maybe there's three freckles different on the cheek or something, to severe hunger. Yes. So going through withdrawals, which triggers that depression, at the same time as going through a, a uh, dietary thing where you've, you've massively dropped your calories. Now, the thing is the HCG is metabolizing the fat. So you typically, you don't feel hungry at any other time. It's just literally those three days where you're going through withdrawal. And for me, that that depression in the stomach and the like it being so akin to hunger for me in terms of a feeling, mm. it's one of the reasons why I've always been an emotional eater. It just, it made it hell. Yeah. And so I would say to anyone... Be prepared for the withdrawals. Know they'll pass. If this is something, if you need to lose weight, if you're desperate to do it, for whatever reason you choose to go this path, be aware there are going to be withdrawals. The withdrawals are going to be hell, but they will pass. Yeah. And once I went through that, getting back to the comment about, you know, I was really, oh, it's cheating. It's cheating, right? It's not cheating. No. The hell, like if you do a six-month or 12-month diet, you kind of spread the hell out. If you do this, you kind of jam the hell into this really short well, window. It's the same amount really of hell. It's just more So intense. I don't like the word diet. I hate diet. Eating plan, mm. meal plan. The thing with diet is normally you put someone on a diet to either get ready for surgery yeah. or once they've come out of surgery 
or something drastic has gone on where that's all that that person, those types of things that that person yeah. can eat. Yeah. That is their diet. Whereas a meal plan, it's like, here, here's what you should be eating. All of these yeah. things. Yeah. I mean, for me, I, I looked at this as a program. I keep using the word diet because it's the easy word to use, but it, it was a program. It yeah. was a weight loss program. And it was a weight loss program supported by peptides Yeah. Um, in order to, to assist that. I know that there's a lot um, of people out there going, oh, my God, you put yourself through absolute crap. Yeah. And there's probably some people out there going, oh, my God, that's like the worst thing you could have done. Yeah, probably. But you know what? It was the first thing that worked for losing weight for me. In eight years. Yeah. And considering that I'm someone who at that point was in the gym four times a week, lifting heavy weights, I was walking regularly. Um, I would go through periods of six, eight weeks where I was eating incredibly well and still not losing weight. Like, and I had nutritionists and that looking at going, why aren't you losing weight? Uh, at the end of the day, this is the thing that, that worked and it seemed to reset my metabolism. I can now control my weight based See, on the amount of See, I always thought it was like six back. months. I I was always under the impression that if you got to six months and nothing was changing, then there's a serious question, especially if there has yeah, been people I'd, that have I'd, been on medications. I'd done these programs for six months, 12 months. Like I'd, it had been an, uh, uh, let me think, it had been an eight, nine year battle by that point. Yeah. And and we got to that point where it was your metabolism is not working. Yeah. But so what that, is that's, this? That, that's kind of. Serious. I'm going to try and say this. It's probably good really luck. long, good luck, good luck. really bad. Uh, ep- epitalons. Epitalons. <laughs> epitalons. I was. I close. may not. I may not even be pronouncing it right. I'm going to type it in to make sure I am because I. I epitalons. Epitalon. Epitalon. Yeah. So, there's some really cool studies that have been done. <laughs> Sorry. Epitalons. Epitalons. There's some really cool studies that have been done into what causes humans to age, right? And what they've found is there's this this thing that effectively, in layman's terms, and I I can only pronounce it in layman's terms or talk about it in layman's terms because I'm not a scientist. But there's a cap. Layman. Oh, that's it. (laughs) There's a cap. On our cell DNA. So as with every cell we create, it's got DNA code in it. Mm-hmm. And at the end of that code, if you imagine it's a straight line, there's a cap, yeah. right? And the length of that cap sends signals or, or is read by the body and different other, you know, other cells around it as a cue card for what should and shouldn't be working. And as that cap gets shorter, it causes the body to send signals to start shutting down different functions and parts of the body or to deteriorate effectively yeah and so the theory is the theory is is if we can increase that cap right we can benjamin button ourselves we can at least internally prevent the aging and deterioration when you think about it when benjamin button was at his oldest on the outside he was actually the youngest yes so, so, okay, so fair, all right, you're being literal, I'll pay that, I like it, I like it. So, look, again, this is another one the FDA is like, eh, this could be hokum, we haven't really decided. Yeah, but let's face it, America also doesn't like people getting healthier. I'm not going to, that is, that is a rabbit hole, I'm not touching with a 40-foot pole. But, from my perspective, I looked into it, and even the FDA went, there's no side effects to this, Yeah. right, you could just burn some cash. And I kind of went... If I can lengthen the, the caps on my DNA yeah. in, in the cell and I can 
stop the deterioration of certain bodily functions and things like that and and elongate my life that way and my health that way then why not give it a crack yeah and so you you know you do pretty much one course of it a year or something is what they recommend i think at the moment and again it's through regen med direct and at the same time i picked up some nootropics as well to get the brain functioning again properly and, and all that sort of <laughs> just jazz the brain functioning well just to, to <laughs> counter my executive dysfunction being asperger's right like that that's that's where it came from um so yeah, these these epitalons they talk about so they, what they increase they lengthen the telomeres T E L O M E R E S in human cells which are the the cap on the the cell DNA mm-hmm. right um, also you know helps with things like sleep which let's be honest sleep's the great cleaner and fixes the body as <laughs> sorry she I yawns, just I, I mentioned sleep she starts yawning. Um, so delays and prevents age related diseases such as cancer heart disease dementia these are all the claims right that are out there they've been tested i wouldn't say they've been proven but the early results are good and as we know like fda tga all that depending what country you are they'll take 10 15 20 years before they'll green light something but because they're in my research there was no side effects it was a case of you might just lose your money i was like you know what it's worth giving a crack so that's what i did and that was yeah. regen med direct as well so that's you know I'm, I'm slowly You'll have to make sure that you put the links up into the actual podcast. Yeah, yeah. it's just regenmeddirect.com.au. Yeah, it doesn't um, matter how many times you say it. <laughs> You'll need yeah. to put the link we'll, up. We'll put the links up. But, I mean, look, for all I know, it's all hokum. I've been taken for a ride. But I at least feel positive about it. And I lost the weight. And I'm willing to do it again. You do know? you know what? I look at it and go, if you've lost weight and you feel like it's done something, then even still, you've learnt something about your body. Yeah. Which means that when it comes to making decisions in the future about your body, you're going to be more aware. Hopefully. Which means if you're more knowledgeable about your own body, when someone goes, oh, you should be taking this, you can be like, nah, it's good. Yeah. Like I yeah. already know what I'm, what my body is needing. But thank you for and, the and advice. That's, that's that, that whole DNA process, that whole nutritional hair follicle, like I know what my body needs and everything like that. And in all fairness, I haven't given it what it needs over the last 18 months two years since we, we did the study, uh, you know, on this journey. Um, what I've done so far is is the HCG course and, and the epitalons and, and the nootropics and stuff like that. I am now starting to shift towards that, more of that DNA diet. Um, and I've used AI, like I've plugged in all what my body needs are into AI to help and me build meal plans and shit like that. thought that you can actually help to heal your body via food? I know, right? Like, I... I this is your soapbox, but I'm scared of this soapbox because people get fiery about it. Oh, it's just more of, um, okay, Eastern medicine's been using it for thousands of years. Mm. And one thing that any acupuncturist will tell you is your food that you put in your mouth can help. Like, I'm not saying that it can actually cure cancer. Please don't think that I'm saying that because oncologists definitely have their position. But, but as a preventative but, thing. As a way of making sure that you can protect yourself against viruses that get into your gut. Mm-hmm. If you have leaky gut, you can do something about it. Like, yeah. and I know that you're going, leaky gut, I, what? I don't want to go down that rabbit hole. <laughs> so all I'm saying that is that you, you know, like you yeah. have the capabilities of really making sure that the food that you put into your mouth and the things you put into your mouth are actually, A, what your body needs, 
And also that your body can actually process it. Because yeah. if it can't process it, you're just shoving stuff in there and for the sake of doing I, it. I know for me, like it's easy, I think in this society, we're all a little bit quick fixy. Like yes. we, we want that quick fix. And the interesting thing for me is taking epitalon, for example, feels like quick, it's pop a pill and, and supposedly this thing happens. Or the HCG, you know, you, you can pop a pill, but obviously I took injections and that was another reason I would take the injections. I wanted the pain because I wanted to ensure that the price, I, I made sure the price I paid was worth it, right? Yeah. But at the same time, these things kind of act as a springboard. Like I'm eating healthier now than what I did before I did that course. Even though I've fallen back into bad habits, it's not as bad as it once was. No, I, um, I can definitely vouch for. So, you know, it's it's not a... It's not always a, a, you know, you flick a switch. No. But these things that we look at and go, oh, that's cheating or whatever, sometimes that's just the crowbar that helps leave you onto a better path. Mm. You know, and, and it's that little step by little step. And for me, I've always, not always, but for a lot of things, I've either, either needed that epiphany moment yeah. or I've needed that crowbar, that that bridging tool yeah. um, that's allowed me to do that. And, and sometimes that's meant that, you know, doing a peptide course in this particular case. But, you know, sometimes you need that that strapping tape on your ankle or you need, you know, whatever it is that just helps you get your mind right and you use that as a tool to leverage into that that better, happier space. Yeah. yeah. So I think on that note, I yeah. hope people have learnt something. And Hopefully you know, it was interesting. Hopefully. Look, you know, if they or anyone ever has a question or, you know, wants to really go down the rabbit hole with you. Oh, look, yay. I'm always willing to go down a rabbit hole. Look, if there's anyone out there who is right into that DNA-like diet explanation, if you're a doctor and you're like, this is really interesting, I want to talk about this more, These are just, this is my kind of person that I want to talk to, send us a DM, be happy to sort it out. Yeah, happy as a guest, <laughs> like, because I, I don't... I don't know anywhere near enough on this topic. I'm literally just talking anecdotes and stuff that I've experienced myself and gone through myself and read myself. I'm by no means an expert. Um, I would love an expert to come on and, and have a chat with me and, and that would be good fun. Yep. Yeah. Well, it's always there. So if you want to. All right. Well, I think that does it. Uh, quick shout out to Luke Maroney as well. Thanks for jumping on the podcast on the front segment and uh, filling us in on, on what buyer's agents do. And I hope this, this second segment has been interesting. And I genuinely hope I find a way to live long enough that I can digitize my consciousness and live forever.